Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Super excited because I've, I've, been, wanting, I've been excited to share this word for you for a few weeks now. And so I know it's going to be a night where God is going to move, and it's a word for now, and it's a word that God is wanting to share with you. So let's thank the team. Thank you, guys. I love you all. Thank you for ushering in the Holy Spirit. This is an upper room. Anytime we come into this place, you guys transform this place into an altar where God's presence can land. So thank you so much. Love you guys. See you guys in a little bit. Point five. All right, you guys can take your seats. Oh, what a, I just love it. So it's been, a, it's been a bit since I've been, I think it's been a year since I've preached on a Wednesday night. This is like, I know. But um, I'm excited. Like I said, this, this message has been kind of resonating in me for over a month now. And it's something that right away I was like, I need to, to share on this. And so I'm excited. I feel like it's a volcano and it just like has to come out. So get ready, buckle your seatbelts, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, pray first for us. God, I just thank you for, for this church, your church. I thank you, God, that you speak to each and every one of us here. And I, and I, and I know, God, that what the word you have to share to each one tonight may be different, may land on hearts differently, but I know, God, that you're going to minister to each and every person who's coming in here tonight and they will meet you. And, and you will meet them right where they're at. So we pray these things and pray for me as I deliver this message in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So I'm excited because, you know, I, we get to be a part of a church, Awakened Church, who is known for standing, you know, for truths and, and being on the front lines of things. And I feel like our pastors, they wear like faith goggles. So whatever's happening in the world, it's like they don't even see it. They just see God on the other side of it. And they know how to lead us because, you know, of a, of a church of six, eight, how many campuses do we have now? You know, all these people are looking to them, including Pastor Michael and I, like, what are we supposed to be doing in this situation? How are we supposed to react? And so I'm just grateful for, for pastors who, who lead with strength and, and non-wavering uh, faith. And so I'm just grateful for, for them. If they're listening, I love you. We honor you. And thank you for leading this church so well. But I feel like in America, a lot of people don't live their lives like that. And, and a lot of times... It's not because they don't want to, but they just don't know how or afraid to, to step out and do that. And I believe, um, you know, it's, we don't want to make a comment because we don't want to offend. But then if we don't say anything, maybe we still offend. Or, or, you know, we don't know the right answer, even though we know in our heart we know the right answer, but we don't want to say it. And I feel like there's, there's been this spirit of intimidation that has come over America. And it's, it's crippled us. It's silenced us. It's made good-meaning people, well-meaning people, fearful to even lend a hand. You know, they may not like it. They, you know, and so I feel like we're tiptoeing around trying to help each other. And, and I feel like mo most of America, they actually, you know, love their, like they want to help their neighbor. I'm, I, I believe the best in people and that, 
you know, on both sides and everywhere in between what people believe, I feel like people are, are making decisions that they feel is best for them and their family. But I feel like this, this intimidation has come across and it has made America just not progress in the way that, that we're supposed to. So we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. So intimidation, the definition, to make timid or fearful. So in 1 Samuel 17, you know the story of David and Goliath. Well, he represents a spirit of intimidation. This is what they write in the Bible about Goliath. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. And he had a bronze helmet on his head. And he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. How do they know that? And why are they talking about the weight of his shekeled armor? You know, why is that important? And he had a bronze armor on his legs and bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, huge, I'm picturing. And an iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. And a shield bearer went before him. Like, what good is that guy going to do? <laughs> That's what I think when I read that. But, but this Goliath represents a spirit of intimidation. So, so he's calling out to, to, to the other side, like, someone come and fight me. And, and, and you know, their, their camp is saying, well, his, his coat of armor and all of these things weigh you know, these shekels and something wrong? Oh, okay. So, so basically, they're, they're being intimidated by, by this person that's standing there. Well, intimidation is meant to paralyze us. No one wanted to come out and fight him. And, and so it paralyzes us. It cripples us. It wants us to cower, avoid it completely, turn the other direction, U-turn. And it partners with fear to bring out the worst-case scenarios playing in our, in our mind. And it will cease the work of Christ in us. And so we're going to call this message tonight Intimidation Factor. So there's moments in our lives where we'll, we will each face an intimidating situation. And it's kind of silly, but a few weeks ago, this happened to me. And I was, it was around Vision Builders Week, and, and I, um, we had booked an Airbnb in Temecula, and we were going to go away for a few days for the 4th of July. And everything was fine. And then I, uh, on this, the day before we were supposed to go, I get a message from the host. And they say, can we please have a 15 to 30-minute call to go over your check-in process? And I was like, okay, that, I've never done that before, but okay. So then I get on the call, and then they're saying, is now a good time? I'm like, okay. So I get on the call, and he proceeds to tell me all the rules that I've already read on the website. But goes over them again. He proceeds to tell me how to stock the refrigerator and not to take glass to the pool. I'm like, yes, okay. And I'm 40 years old. I know how to put groceries in the refrigerator. You know, I didn't say that. But after all of this, when I hung up the phone, it was like, it was like his spirit of control or whatever that they were operating in fell to me. And I felt anxious. I felt like, oh my gosh, like, I don't want to go to this place. I felt like, could I cancel this? This is the day before. And, and, and so Michael's like, well, they do it the day before because they can't, you can't cancel because you won't get your money back. You know, and no one would want to stay in this place if they knew how many rules that this, these people would have. And so instantly, in that night, because we were leaving the next day, I couldn't even sleep. It was like I was worried about going there, and I didn't even want to go there anymore. And I even um, had a friend pray for me that morning. I said, I don't know what this is, but there's this spirit of intimidation that has crept in, and it's, I don't like it, and it makes no sense. And the reason why it made no sense is because I never would have 
thought that before, and it has never happened to me. It had me like swearing off ever booking an Airbnb again. I'm like, I'm never doing this again. This is ridiculous. Like Michael's doing this next time. I don't like, I don't want to go. I don't want to talk to them. And in all of these things, like it made me not even want to go to this person's house because of how this person made me feel. And so I received prayer, which after, you know, she's saying, actually, you're going to be fine. You're going to go and it's going to be fine because we have authority over all of those things. And that's, and that's what we carry when we carry Christ. But and I had peace after she prayed for, for me. And we went, and we had a good time. We had minor, you know, we had some calls from, from the owner for no reason. But, and I, when the phone number would pop up on my phone, I was like, ah. It was like I had PTSD. Like, they called me, like, three times the morning of checkout. It was 9 a.m. Like, checkout is at 11. And they call me at 9 a.m. I'm like, why are they calling me? Like, we didn't do anything. Why are they calling me? And they called me, like, 11. And then they called me in the afternoon at, like, 3. I'm like, leave me alone. I'm, I'm not you know, it's there at your house anymore. And so, gosh, it was, it was just this thing that was, like, had plagued me. And I'm like, what the heck is this? And it, but it really made me think about even that there's a difference between the spirit of fear and the, and the spirit of intimidation. Because, because a lot of times we talk about fear and, like, okay, you know, and that's something that I've had to battle in my life, you know, breaking off the spirit of fear that came down to me generationally. But we don't really talk about the intimidation factor that, that is also there where it, it tries to bring up our fear. And even in my soundness of mind, I'm like, I'm not, why is this happening? I know I'm not afraid. Why is this irritating me? But sometimes it's just something that is, is just, it's just trying to like stop me from, from doing something. Or in this case, I think it was just revealing to me that this spirit of intimidation is a real thing and that, that we can't cower to it. But, but sometimes, yes, amen. But intimidation can look like different things. It can be in the workplace. It can be a challenging family member or situation. Um, Intimidation can be a diagnosis from a doctor. It can be something, you know, an unexpected bill. It can be anything that that can um, spark a fear reaction or should or it's trying to spark a fear reaction in you. So we're going to look at some of this. Um, so let's turn, if you have your Bibles, okay, this is funny. I was embarrassed to bring this up here, but this is the Bible I use. The cover's missing because this year's Bible is not a real Bible. It's a devotional, so my sad Bible. But it's well-loved, you guys. So love your Bibles, even if they don't have a cover. Love you, Bible. Okay. All right, so we're going to turn in your Bibles, if you've brought them, to um, 1 Kings 18 and 19. So I'm going to paraphrase in 1 Kings 18. So here's the story of Elijah, and he is amazing in this chapter. He is a boss. So in, in verse 38, he, Elijah is unwavering, and he has a showdown on Mount Carmel, which is actually the name of my high school. And he goes up against 400 prophets of Baal, or 450 prophets, prophets of Asherah, and he calls down fire from heaven. Verse, verse 40, Elijah executes the 450 prophets of Baal at the brook Kishon. Verse 45, verse 45. Elijah prophesies at the end of the drought, and after praying seven times, a miracle storm appears, and and rain comes after three years. And then here in verse 45 to 46. And as soon as the sky was black with clouds, a heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm, and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah, 
and he tucked his cloak into his belt, and he ran ahead of Ahab's chariot. I love this, because this is so, like, there's miracle after miracle after miracle in this chapter. It's like, he called down fire, he, he executed all of these bad people, he ended the drought, and he ran faster than a chariot with a horse. And I'm going to drink to that. Good job, Elijah. And that's such an amazing chapter because it just shows you what the anointing of God can do on someone when we partner with him and look to him. And he is a hero in the faith. But it might surprise you if you don't know the story about what happens in the very next verse in, that, in the chapter. In 1 Kings chapter 19, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel, Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed the prophets. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you have killed them. So at that one word, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left a servant there. And then he went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. It's sad, but kind of relatable. Like, Elijah was discouraged, believing he was alone, the sole prophet remaining. He had remained faithful to God and did all these miraculous things, and all he got was a death threat. He was, he was in depression, and there was a spiritual backlash that came upon him and a pressure that came upon him at, at the end of what happened in chapter 18. And, and I think this is just... This is real life right here. This is, this is Elijah operating with God. And then, you know, sometimes you have a big breakthrough in your life, and you're like, yes, God came through. And then the next day, you have a down day, you know. And, and I feel like as a church, we're like, well, how can you have a down day? Like, God is with you. Didn't you see? But I think this story shows us, like, it happens sometimes. And, and so we're going to talk about that. And for me, this, this happened to me and... Um, Five and a half years ago, before we started this church, you know, we were starting this church, and and then all of a sudden, my mom passes away, and three days before the church starts, and I'm like, is this coincidence? Is this because uh, because of this? Is this are they related? And I actually asked Pastor Mike Connell about it, who is um, one of our pastors that comes to visit, and. I, I said, this is something I'm struggling with. Like, if we weren't going to start the church, would my mom still be alive? And he, 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 you know, of course he didn't have an answer. I didn't, wasn't really looking for an answer. But he's like, there's no way you can, you can tell, you know, and kind of ministered to me during that. But, but it's interesting that, you know, something so, um, you know, that God can move so powerfully, but then at the same time you can have something that is so dark and, and we don't understand why that that happens. And it's, it's sometimes not surprising that when we're, when we're facing an edge or on the edge of a victory or something that God is calling us into, that we face some kind of obstacle. And, and a lot of times it is a spirit of intimidation, trying to get you to change your mind or, or go around the other way. And there's, there's a real spiritual opponent that is, is trying to discourage you from going that way. And, and sometimes when we face a closed door, we automatically, you know, are like, oh, that's not the right thing for me. You know, the door is closed. 
But, when, but sometimes God's like, no, it is the right door. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to build you up and, and bring courage on the inside of you because you're going to need it for the things that I'm going to bring you into. Just like when the spies went into the, in the promised land and they, and they saw the giants. You know, and Pastor Marco preached brilliantly on that. But Joshua and Caleb, they had the good report that that is the land they were supposed to go into. But they still had to defeat 31 kings in that land to take their promised land. So, so sometimes we have to break through things and get through tough situations, even when we don't want to, to get to the place that God has called us. All right, I've used a lot of my time already. Yes, you can clap for that. Okay, because I haven't even gotten to my points yet. And I have five of them, okay? So, all right, I'm going to fly through these. No, I'm excited. It's, it's, it's all good. Okay, so all that to say, let's look at the scripture in 1 Kings 19 to, to see how God helped Elijah from this place where he, he was in depression, okay? The first thing that the Lord does is he refreshes him. He refreshed him. 1 Kings 19.5, then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some br- bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much to you for, for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Then he came into a cave where he spent the night. God sent an angel to minister to Elijah. So in our dark place, in our quiet place, he sent an angel to bring him food and water and minister to him. He sees our, our needs and our cares and our hurts. And he'll send friends with food. He'll send flowers. He'll send Chick-fil-A, you know, donuts delivery, you know, uh, maybe you need a good laugh. He'll, he'll send what you need to, to help you out of that place. And, you know, sometimes we can't think past our physical needs. Like, sometimes we just need a nap and a sandwich and just go to bed, and things are going to be look better in the morning. Amen? So take the time to rest and reset. And, and God deliberately shows us in the scripture he, he sent an angel to minister directly to Elijah to take care of him. But once our physical needs are met and we feel rested and restored, we can take our problems, our eyes off of our problems and back onto him. So the second thing that God does is he relocated him. So once we've done enough resting, it's time to get up, take a shower, make some coffee. 1 Kings 19, 9. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, did all these bad things. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. God already knows these things, by the way. And God tells him, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. So let's be honest with God with where we're at. He already knows where we're at anyway, but when he asks you that question, where are you? He's wanting us to locate ourselves, and he wants us to be honest with, with the answer. And if he asks you, where are you more than once, that probably means you're not in the right place or the place that he wants you to be. And he does ask Elijah twice, where are you? What are you doing here? Time to get up and stand before the mountain. 
My plans are bigger for you. This is bigger for you than you. Get out of that cave. Go look out. Look, look at how vast this land is. Look how much there's still out there. I still need you to do this. Can you do it? You know, how are you feeling? You know, get a bigger vision for your life than your little pity party. And, and sometimes we need that for a little bit, but you can't stay there. It's not good for us, okay? And, and I feel like, you know, we escape. We escape to social media. We escape on our phones. We, that's like our cave, our modern-day cave. <laughs> it's like we look on our phones, and we're trying to connect with the world and, and trying to, you know, I don't even know what, what we do on there. Waste time. Waste time. Scrolling. I, they do make me laugh, though. There's some videos on Instagram that I lay in bed at night, and I'm laughing. And then I'm like, Michael, this is so funny. And, and so there are benefits of having phones. We do our work in them. We, there's a lot of good things that come from them. But we don't want to live in our phones. And, and it's kind of like living in a cave. There's, there's so much out there. Get your, get your eyes off your phone, on your family, on your kids, on your friends. Take someone out to eat. Do something for someone else. And let's change what we're looking at so it gets us out of that, that funk. All right, number three, what did, what did Elijah do? Or God, what God did for Elijah? He realigned him. Okay, listen for his voice. 1 Kings 19, 11, the next verse says, And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. And it was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. Sounds like a children's book, actually. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, and the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. In the stillness, God speaks to us. In the quiet places, when all the chaos quiets down, when the kids go to bed, when the TV's off, when we finally relax, that's when we can hear God. And that's when he meets us there. And he's waiting for you there. So if, if you feel like you haven't heard from him in a while, turn the music off in the car, turn the music off and, and just wait for him and say, hi God, I'm here. Can we have a conversation? And he will meet you there every time. Bible says he makes us lay down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. He restores our souls. It's so beautiful. And I promise if you have a connection like that with him every day, you will feel refreshed and you, your life will change. For me, God always speaks to me when I'm doing household chores. It's like trimming my roses or folding laundry. It's when my mind is relaxed and my hands are busy. And I feel like he, he downloads to me and meets me in that place. And I love, there's a book by Benny Hinn called Good Morning, Holy Spirit. And if you haven't read it, you should. It's great. And um, he just wakes up every morning and says, Good morning, Holy Spirit. And I, I just wonder if our lives would be different if we started each day like that. Recognizing him and, and inviting him along on our day. What a beautiful, what a beautiful way to live. All right, the fourth way God helped Elijah was he recommissioned him in 1 Kings 19.15. Then the Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Go back. We're not done over there. And travel into the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Haziel to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, 
to be king of Israel. Then anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of something, to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Haziel will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape from Jehu will be killed by Elijah. Yet I will preserve the 7,000 in Israel who have never bound down to Baal or kissed him. And I love this because God was helping Elijah find his footing again. He's like, okay, you're done with your nap. I've given you a bigger vision. Now come on, let's go. We have work to do. We have kings to anoint. We have prophets to anoint. And what I love about this is that Jehu, so that word, that intimidating word came from Jezebel. And Jehu, if you read on, is the one who is um, part of when Jezebel dies, killing Jezebel. He doesn't exactly kill her, but helps in that. So what, what he's having him do is affecting generations. It is setting up the future. And, and so God doesn't want to just, it just to end with Elisha. It's like, yes, Elijah, Elijah, you did so many mighty things. But God is saying, no, this doesn't end with you. This is, I need you to pass it on. I need you to anoint Elisha. I need you to, to anoint these kings that are going to do my purposes. So I feel like when we can shift our thinking to this is just about me and the tough situation I'm in, I'm into actually God has such a bigger plan for me. And this doesn't just affect me. This affects everyone in the kingdom and their generations. How could you say no? And I feel like. And it doesn't say, but I feel like Elijah's like, okay, like, I can come on board with this. And, and God gives him direct, you know, uh, directions on, on where to go and what to do. And what I love about this is Elijah is not alone anymore. He brought Elijah with him. Actually, it says right there, it says, so Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing in a field. And from that moment on, he had a psychic and a friend, and he was never alone again until he was taken up to, her, to, to heaven. And it's just so beautiful because, you know, even with all the, all the struggles and, and mental struggles that Elijah had, it didn't matter. God was like, okay, I see you, I meet you there, and now it's time to move on, and you still have work to do. But, but I, it's just crazy to me because, and it kind of makes me angry because this intimidation factor, it's like a mirage. You know, I mean, it's, it's like, it's not really real, but it is. So it's like what we look at matters and what we see matters. And it's, um, where's my note on that? Oh, it's in the next point. Okay. But I, I'm just so appreciative of, of this church because, you know, we are, are, are not afraid of, of being on the front lines. And, and so when, you know, we feel like, scared, <laughs> or like when Pastor Jurgen tells us, we're going to go do this, and we're going to do this, I'm like, really? I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I want to do that, but it's like, okay, I'm going anyway, <laughs> because where else am I going to go, you know, and I feel like there's a lot of intimidating things that I have to face yearly, weekly, monthly, you know, and I, I feel like it's, it's a constant growing of my faith, and, and strength and courage, I constantly have to, to, to say, I'm strong and courageous, I'm strong and courageous. And you might think when you look at Pastor Michael and I, oh yeah, they are, they're confident, they know what they're doing. They're, you know, but to be honest, every new territory step that we take, any place we hadn't been before, it takes a step of courage. And as we do that, you know, we're like, okay, I can do this. And then, and then other people behind us say, I can do this. And so people are watching you. And people are watching your lives, and people 
are watching you, what you do in the, in the face of intimidation. And I'm thankful for a church that ha- is a church of faith. Because when we are doubting our, our next step or we, we are doubting um, something that, that we feel like is going to take us out, there's going to be 10 people around you that say, actually, no, you're going to do it. God's with you. And, and we're going to move forward. And you're going to conquer that thing. And you're going to defeat that thing. And we're going to believe for miracles, signs, and wonders until Jesus returns. Amen. And then my last point is to stay in Christ. So at the end of the day, I had this revelation. So it wasn't Jezebel or even her threats that were the problem with Elijah. I, I, it was a vision problem. It was a heart problem. Because in chapter 18, Elijah was still by himself against 850 enemies. And he was still able to do those miracles and rely on God and with confidence. So I don't think it was actually you know, one word from Jezebel, and he's like, I don't trust God anymore. I, I think it was a vision problem. And, and he took his eyes off God, and his faith diminished, and then he started walking by sight and not by faith. In chapter, in 1 Kings 19.3, it says, when Jezebel says that, he says, So let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow at this time. So Jezebel is saying, you're going to die. And and the next verse 3 says, and when he saw that, Elijah saw that. Why would it say saw that? Why wouldn't it say heard that? Why, Why? I mean, that stood out to me. When Elijah saw that, it was a vision, it was a vision problem. I mean, it, it didn't say when he heard that rumor, when he heard that intimidating word. It was when he saw that. So Elijah's eyes were on the wrong thing. And that's what, what spiraled him. And he literally ran for his life. Being intimidated makes us lose perspective. It, it clouds our judgment. It clouds our vision. And we see like a danger or fear looming over us. It looks like something that is insurmountable. It looks like something that we can't take on our own. That's what intimidation does. And when you draw back, we lose authority over our life. But it's staying in the place of faith that, that, honor, that God loves and, and strengthens us when we stay in that place. And just like in Elijah's day, God is looking for men and women who are strong in the faith. I believe that's, you know, the number one thing. When, when he looks down at the earth, will I find faith? He looks around looking for faith. He's not looking for, you know, what car you're driving or what job you have, or how many kids you have, all of these things. But he's looking for faith and he's attracted to faith. So let's not be intimidated by these things, Awaken Church. 2 Timothy one. 6 through 7 says, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you, through the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. And, and this is the so what for this message. Most of us, I think, we live from a perspective of kind of like a David and Goliath when we come up against intimidation. It's like, we are the David, and we look at our Goliath, and we, or we speak to that mountain, and we're like, cast it into the sea. You are, you know, we are strong and courageous because God is with us, and we have faith. And I feel like at least that's how I've lived a lot of my life is, is from that place of, 
I'm a David, I'm facing a Goliath, but it doesn't matter because God is with me. Am I right? Well, in the spiritual kingdom, it's not like that. And this is what God showed me a few weeks ago when I was thinking about this message. In the spiritual kingdom, the demons and spirits, they recognized Jesus before, even though other people didn't. So if we are living with him, we actually are carrying around Christ in us. Galatians 3.27 says, For as many of you are baptized into Christ, have put Christ on. Colossians 3.3 says, For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So when we operate in a place of his authority, we are, we like reverse this, switch your thinking, that we are not a David facing Goliath. We are actually Christ facing Goliath. That we need to shift our thinking on this. That we are not the ones to be intimidated. If you ever have a moment where you're feeling intimidated, remember that Christ lives in you. Actually, we're the ones that should be intimidating, okay? This is my whole point of the whole message. If you've re received Christ as your savior, you, you're hidden in him. When we go to heaven and God is looking at us, we are, we are shielded by Jesus. That is why we are able to get into heaven. He died for us. He died for our sins, our transgressions. We are not good enough on our own. So he lives in us. So come on, church. So next time you're facing a, in a, an intimidating situation, remember that Christ is in you. And therefore, when the, when the enemy looks at you, he doesn't see Lisa. He sees Christ because he lives in me. So no longer can we be a church that is intimidated or fearful or scared. And I'm preaching to myself. He taught me this because that was me. I'd be like, that is too big for me. I cannot cannot do that. And God has rebuked me and is like, I walk with you wherever you go. I am with you. And, and it's not like a, I need a miracle to come down to, to rescue from me from the situation. No, he has already equipped me to do it. He's already empowered me to do it. And Awakened Church, so have you. He, he died for each and every single one of you. So I really want to shift our thinking around this. And, and it's just, um, let's all stand because I'm getting all hot and sweaty now. So that means, that means I should be praying because Holy Spirit wants to release some things here today. But I, I just want to empower you, church. Do not shrink back in the face of adversity. Do not sit down. Do not go into your cave. Or if you go into your cave, go in for a nap and then get back up again. Come back out. Do the things that God has called you to do. Finish the race with endurance. Do all of these things. But you know, I, I know that fear and, and, and intimidation are real things that, that plague us because I have felt them and I've had to pray and had deliverance from these things. So if, um, if that is you, just put your hand over your heart. God, I just thank you, God, for your presence in this place. I thank you that, that you are the Christ. And, and so we look to you right now for freedom. Every person with their hand over their chest, in Jesus' name, we declare freedom from this. We come out of agreement with a spirit of intimidation that is plaguing America. We come out of agreement for anything that has tried to, uh, to sideline us, to quiet us, to, to stop us in our tracks. We just come out of agreement with any fears that we, we believe that will just always be there. And I thank you for freedom right now in the name of Jesus. We declare that, that Jesus lives on the inside of us. And I thank you, God, that you are empowering us to live how you have called us to live. And I just thank you for each and every person here 
that we would remember that you died for us to not live under, that we are above, that we are the head, not the tail, above, not beneath, that you have given us the tools. You have defeated the enemy, and so have we. So we thank you, God, that nothing shall by any means hurt us. And I thank you, God, that that fear, we just... We tell you to leave in the name of Jesus off every person here that um, I just, I feel like it's, it's like a, a cloak that, that sits on you. And it's like you can't, even though you want it to get off, you can't because it's like attached. So if, if I, don't, I don't know who that's for, but we just, we just pray release, supernatural release off of that person right now. I thank you, God, that there's freedom coming, that they're going to feel lighter. They're going to be able to breathe again. And we just rebuke, rebuke that spirit of fear that we are bold, that we are courageous, and I just thank you for um, all that you have done for us, God. I pray that we are going to be a bold church from here on out, that we will not be afraid, that we will run towards our promises, we will not be sidelined, and I just thank you for what you're doing here in El Cajon. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.